Welcome to Banyan Books, Branches of Wisdom. Celebrating the joy of bright ideas and heartful lifelong learning. Branches of Wisdom is a series of intimate conversations with the world's most influential authors and visionaries. We explore spirituality and the human mind, ecology and culture. Most episodes are recorded with a live audience. You can join our live events and submit questions to your favorite guests. Check out our upcoming schedule at banyan.com. Since 1970, Banyan Books has been a rich oasis at the crossroads of wisdom and philosophy, offering resources for humanity's evolving paths. We're a locally owned independent bookstore in the heart of Vancouver's Kitsilano neighborhood. Visit us in person or shop online at banyan.com. Please subscribe, follow, like, and leave your reviews for the podcast. And now, enjoy. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Banyan Books Podcast. I'm your host, Ross McKeechee. And just delighted that this evening we're joined by Barry Tesler. Barry Tesler is a warm, compassionate guide with a master's degree in somatic psychology. And for over 20 years, her art of money methodology has helped thousands of people understand and navigate their financial life through one-on-one financial therapy, small groups, community content, and her year-long money school, The Art of Money. Her gentle encouragement and practical tools offer us new avenues for creativity and joy with an abundance of support. Tesla's first book, The Art of Money, was the winner of the 2017 Benjamin Franklin Gold Medal, one of the highest US national awards for excellence in independent publishing. It was also the winner of the 2017 Nautilus Book Award Silver Medal, which honors exceptional literary contributions to spiritual growth, conscious living, and green values. Today, Barry Tesler is with Banyan Books in conversation about her new book, which is called The Art of Money Workbook, a three-step plan to transform your relationship with money. And it's a follow-up to her first book. It's excellent. Uh, I'll tell you a little bit about the book. Few things in life can feel as stressful and daunting as money and finances. Get ready for that to change. The Art of Money Workbook offers an empowering new framework to create sustainable change and strengthen your relationship with money. Tesla offers a program that integrates practical financial tools with supportive somatic practices to bring more compassion, honesty, and awareness to your relationship with money. What I personally love about Barry's work is that she sees these deeper currents at play in our relationship with money. She uses it as a doorway for us to become more self-aware, to heal our wounds, and to create a life that really works for us, as well as allowing us to actualize the aspects of ourselves that will be helpful to others. If you'd like to learn more about Barry and her work, you can visit her website, which is barrytesler.com. And Barry is spelled B-A-R-I, barrytesler.com. So Banyan community, please join me in a warm welcome for Barry Tesler. Barry, welcome. Thanks so much for being here. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited. 
We're excited too. And congratulations on, on this new book. I think it was just released yesterday, wasn't it? It was. It was. Yes. <laughs> You've been celebrating? Yeah. So what did I do yesterday? I got a massage. Then I went out with my family and a girlfriend. And yes, I've been celebrating in, in small little ways. It's different than the first book, right? Where there was a whole book tour and I was at Banyan Books six years ago with, you know, an amazing community showed up. So it's a little different this time. It's going to be a little slower, but um, that pace is nice. And yes, we'll be celebrating all summer. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I remember there was a lot of excitement around your event when you came to Banyan and uh, your book has been really popular with our community. So it's great to have you again. Thank you. Yeah, it really surprised me to have 70 people <laughs> in the room when I showed up. There are 70 people in my hometown of Boulder, Colorado, you know, so it was wonderful to have the same turnout um, when I went to Vancouver for the first time and I just felt really at home. It was a wonderful event. Yeah. Great. Now, in diving into the book, just just to get into it, uh, in our welcome, in your welcome message at the opening of the book, you write the following. This book is more than just another self-help tool. This money work has the potential to carry us deeper than we expect, beyond personal finances and into the realm of knowing ourselves more authentically and more intimately. So Barry, I'm wondering if you can just give our audience a little bit of context around your overall outlook and your approach to money work and how it can become like a gateway to deeper self-awareness. Yeah, so I have to tell a little bit of my story to share Please. my, you know, give the context and overall, like my perspective on everything. So, you know, I trained as a somatic therapist and this was a long time ago. So I'm in my fifties and I was in my twenties and I went to Nairobi University and was getting my master's in somatic psychology, which I feel saved me to learn how to listen to my body and messages and trust my intuition and trust what my body was telling me and trust my yeses and nos. And, but the topics that I was so excited about at the time were intimacy, couples, sexuality, body, food, grief, and death. You know, I thought those were my topics and I, you know, I really thought that's what I would be working on. And when my student loan came due, when I graduated at the, at the age of 28, it was just a huge moment of, wait a second, did we talk about money as we were training to be psychotherapists? No. How did that happen? You know, how did we not have any conversations about what are the money emotions that come up or what is your money story? And how does that connect to your own history and lineage and strengths and challenges? And, you know, just how do you have a relationship to money, you know, and, and start a private practice? And it was such an obvious missing piece for me that either I was going to run away <laughs> or I was going to face it like I did every other big area of life. And this time it was, well, now I have all this training and all of these tools and all of these practices that I'm steeped in, both as a somatic therapist, how to check into the body, but also Naropa is a Buddhist-based graduate program, right? So even though I'm not a practicing Buddhist, there were beautiful rituals and um, qualities that I knew if I was gonna create a methodology around money, that I had to bring all of that with me. So 
you know, the methodology had to include creativity. It had to include deeper meaning. It had to include playfulness and ritual, right? All these things that were so important to me. So it wasn't like going to be boring and dry like I thought money was. It was, okay, we're going to create tools and practices. And, you know, at first I really thought I was the only one with money stuff, you know, that I was the only one with money shame or the only one with money, whatever. And I looked around with fo at folks from all different lineage backgrounds and, um, you know, different income levels and class backgrounds. And we all had strengths around money. We all had challenges around money. And there was so much that we did not learn for most of us in grade school and up. So my whole methodology was put together because I needed it. And then I looked around and every single person that I knew, you know, needed, um, a, a different approach because the approaches that were out there were more tough love, were more there's one way or the highway. There's more, you know, like there was a lot of shame and blame around how you manage money. And so I just took everything I could and created the money healing, money practices, and money maps. And those are the three phases that there's not one without the other. It's not as though you learn what your money emotions are and money story, and then you're done. It's not as though you just learn a bookkeeping system and then you're done, you know, or you're just start, you know, think, thinking about how to make good money decisions and you're done. All three phases, the money healing, money practices, maps, needs to all be talking, working with each other. You know, we may have learned parts of it, but not the others. You know, my financial folks, they never learned about money emotions or how to have a loving compassionate conversation with yourself or your spouse. So to complete, there's so, you know, I've been teaching this for over 21 years. So there's a lot, but just to complete, like the whole methodology came out of a need for, I'm only seeing tough love around money management. I'm seeing that it's not creative, that there's no tools and practices that under, I get, you know, or that makes sense to me as a creative person. And I just knew that I needed to infuse it with love and compassion and understanding and everything that I was learning as a therapist at the time in a Buddhist environment. And that is also known as trauma-informed, right? Trauma-informed wasn't a thing. It was all somatic psychology. And now, you know, trauma work and somatic experiencing like started really coming to be in 1988, you know, when I was graduating. And so, but everything that I learned and how I teach the methodology, like this has to happen in baby steps. You have to listen to your timing. All those things are now called trauma-informed, but they were simply slowing down, listening to your body. And so I bring all of that to helping people bring more awareness and understanding to their relationship to money and, and, you know, and all that that touches. Wonderful. Thank you. That, that, I think that gives us a really good context to, to dive in a little deeper now. And you, you, you touched on the, what you call the three phases of the art of money. Yeah. Maybe you can just give like a brief overview of those three phases before we kind of go into each one a little more deeply. Does that work? Sure. Okay. So my specialty is not being concise, but I will do more. <laughs> okay. Okay. Because there's always layers. So money healing is really about you know, understanding what are the emotions that come up for you. The same emotions that come up in any big area of life come up around money. Everything from shame to anger, anxiety, sadness, regret, 
guilt to joy, to excitement, to hope, right? And everywhere in between, right? So it's understanding what are the emotions that come up? How, you know, can you learn to sit with the emotions? Name them, understand them. Where do they come from, right? You know, all the deeper layers of therapy work, right? But also that leads to, you know, one, and for me, that's the body check-in. And I want, we have to talk more about that, right? So how do I do this in a nutshell? It's all about understanding your money emotions. It's understanding deeper layers of what your money story is, where it comes from, what you learned, what you didn't learn, what, what patterns are healthy today, what are unhealthy, where do you need forgiveness? Where do you need some money healing rituals? So the money healing is just is doing the deeper therapy work, right? And it doesn't mean right. you stay there forever, but it means you do some of it. You do some of it, and then you move into the money practices. And it doesn't mean you're done one day with the money healing and you have no more money emotions ever again, but they can certainly decrease in intensity. You can learn how to work with them. And money practices is all about creating a self-care practice around money. So whether that's five minutes a day and you have a money date or it's, you know, 15 minutes every few days, you're creating a practice, you're crafting a practice that works for you based on your personality, your style, what you need. You know, some for some people, it's five minutes a day to create the habits and the grooves, but it's also learning a bookkeeping system, knowing your numbers, understanding you know, your income and your spending patterns and, you know, knowing that there's usually a judger that comes up quickly of, oh, you spend what on what instead of let me get curious here. So money practices is creating a self-care practice around money. You have money dates. We can talk more about money dates. Mm -hmm. um, and you create, you know, you add in your values. I can say more about that. And you start looking at who's on your financial support team. What are the players, bookkeeper, accountant, financial coach, financial planner, and on and on. To complete the third phase, Money Maps is all about what phase of life are you in and what is priority now and what are the goals that you're going for and then what are the actual numbers. And, you know, I like to rename everything. So instead of a budget, I call it a money map or a map of intention. I'm really big on naming because... It just feels better to rename a lot of these things. Um, and then this phase is also about how do you know if you're making a good money decision? How do you make a good money decision in small moments when you're at the clothing consignment store, when you're buying a car, if you buy a home one day? There's, you know, so what, what sets of questions do you bring to those moments? And do you know your numbers? And, and you know, but when you're done with all three phases, then you know how to make good money decisions, you know? And I teach this in a year. I teach this in a year long program, but it's, it's the whole first book is the whole methodology and my stories, my own and the community stories and the tools. And then the second book is 200 pages of wonderful journaling questions that, you know, I've been creating since I used to teach 10 person groups in my teeny little living room in an apple orchard, you know, when I lived in California. So that's, those are the three phases that I've been fine tuning and learning what I left out and learning what I need to add in by teaching small groups and now much larger groups for years and years and years fine tuning. That's a great overview. Thank you. I think that'll give our audience like a, a little bit of a grasp on what we're working with here just in general. So 
phase one money healing yeah you really you talked you mentioned the body check-in can you can you illuminate for us this this body check-in process and what do the body what do the emotions have to show us about our relationship to money and our money interactions yeah so I think with this community that most folks will have some version of a body check-in that they already do, right? So whether you call it grounding, a meditation <laughs> practice, and you know you can bring it pared down to 30 seconds, a minute, and a body check-in doesn't have to look in any certain way. The way that I do it is usually 30 seconds, a minute, a few minutes where I'm checking in on a few levels. So on a physical level, what's going on, right? How am I seated? Legs crossed, open, shoulders up, shoulders down. Then I move on to what are the sensations happening in my body? So where's their movement? Where's their stillness? Where does it feel tight or restrictive? Just noticing on a sensation level. And please know some of us get sensation level, some of us don't. We all feel and think and you know, understand ourselves in different ways. So for some of us, physical level makes sense. For some of us, sensation level makes sense. The next level is what are the emotions that are present, right? So is it one? Is it a couple? Usually when people start to do the, the, the money work, they're both very excited, but they're also pretty afraid as well. And so they have both of those going on, right? So there's no right or wrong. It's just getting curious, what emotion or emotions are present? I'll talk more about that. Then the next level is breathing. So where in your body, how deep is your breath? Is it more up in your throat? Is it more in your solar plexus, your chest? Then solar plexus, is it down in your belly? Again, there's no right or wrong. A body check-in is simply being curious. What's going on on a physical level? sensation level, emotional level, breathing level. And then I always like to end a body check-in with what is one little adjustment that I can make right now that would help me feel more calm or more resourced or more present. You know, it could be doing a little shoulder shimmy, lowering the shoulders. It could be loosening your jaw. Um, it could be, you know, seeing if you can get your breath a little deeper in your body. Okay, so the body check-in is something to do before you're going to have a money conversation or make a money decision, right? It's in the moment when you're having the money conversation, when you're going online to look at your numbers, and it could be a body checking could be after as a debriefing. What did I learn? What did that remind me of? What can I do different next time? So do you see there's layers to a body check-in? And it's a practice, it's not one and done. And it's something to be, you know, to invite in. Every, before you're gonna have a money conversation, see if you can check in, how are you doing? What's going on? Where's your breath? What emotions are present? Any little adjustment you need to make. Now, sometimes we don't remember before, but we'll remember in the heat of the moment when we're having a conversation, you know, when we're telling a client our fees, when we're talking with our honey and we're, you know, feeling, really agitated or horrified that they're different than us, you know, we're, you know, they spend different. Of course they spend different. We, you know, may have the same values on the surface, but we're going to spend differently or earn differently or save differently. So for me, the body check-in is a practice 
that you bring to all the daily money moments and interactions. And you're first just trying to gather data. Like, who am I here? You know, what is my relationship to money? Hello? You know, let's have some tea, that metaphor. Let's sit down. Sometimes we feel calm when we're checking in. Other times we're in the heat of the moment, feeling totally anxious, you know, in the car dealership, having to make a quick money decision or feeling like we do, right? So for me, there's so many reasons why we do it. It can slow you down. It can help you get present. It can start to bring more awareness to all those levels, layers in your body. But then it starts to lead to, well, what are the memories that are coming up? And what are the stories that are coming up? Oh, it's reminding me of my mom sitting at the dining room table, really agitated, paying the bills. Oh, it reminds me of my parents fighting behind the closed door. Oh, you know, so it starts to lead to memories and money stories and us starting to sort out, you know, what we learned from our family of origin and grandparents and so on. And, you know, so that's the beginning. But the, it, for me, when people say, what's number one, like name me one beginning step, I don't say learn a bookkeeping system first or tracking tool. I say invite body check-ins. Start having a body check-in practice. And I would imagine everyone on this call has a body check-in practice in some way. I know meditation can be a little different, but it's bringing it down a little bit more. And it's just taking a few moments to check in and it's doing it with your relationship to money. So it's a practice that everyone knows and it's inviting it into this area of life. That's great, yeah. And you know, you, you were just touching on, on money, our money story as well. And I, I wanted to ask you about money story. Uh, maybe you can just define it for us, but I also wanted to ask you if you could elaborate a little more on how, how things like privilege or access to education and resources, differences in physical, mental abilities, how do those affect our, our patterns around money or, or our money story? Okay, those are two very separate questions. So let's okay. discuss the first one first. Sure, so, sure. So money story is simply how we relate to money. Our relationship to earning, spending, saving, giving, loaning, donating, redistributing, redistributing resources, investing, right? All of that. Um, we create a money story very early on and it can change. So, you know, our past does not have to equal our future. It influences it. We can write a new money story. We can write new chapters. We can create or step into a financial identity as a young kid. And I'll give a story and we can change that, right? So our money stories are based on, again, our lineage, our culture, our ethnicity, our families, our family's history, right? Um, did they immigrate to the country? Did they escape from somewhere? Where, you know, what's, right? Their story and which influences our parents' story, which influences us. So there's always beautiful things and there's always challenges across the board, right? I don't want to give it percentages. Some people have more or less, but what I see is that everyone has challenges and struggles and everyone has beautiful things as well, or successes or triumphs or things that they've had to overcome. So, but a money story is also based on our personality and Enneagram, right? And I've been waiting for the money and Enneagram book to come out for years. I mean, it, tell me if it exists. 
So uh, I love Enneagram, but let me tell you a short little story. It's personal, but gives it, it. So early on, I'm the oldest of three kids. So I was given the title of spender from really early on, simply because I loved a lot of things. I wanted to buy my mom the ring at the school fair. I wanted the candy. I want like I had a lot of excitement and passion for life. My younger siblings were more savers from really early on. My brother like was the bank. I think I borrowed money from him when he was five and I was, you know, 10 years old. And so how did that happen? That happened everything from our personalities to the how the three of us were being raised in the same environment, but we kind of all took on slightly different roles. Now, I, on some level of being a spender, right, there's nothing wrong with that. But yeah, can go to any of them can go to an extreme and become unhealthy. Even the saver can go to the extreme and become unhealthy. But I grew up thinking I'm a saver. I mean, a spender and something's wrong with that. So it wasn't until my 30s that I started learning, I need to learn how to save. And this is a muscle that I need to practice, right? And I needed to work on income and livelihood, which I, you know, which I did. But it was something that I really had to embrace and learn that, guess what? I can be both. You can be a spender and a saver. And I'm really simplifying these financial identities right now. But even recently, I've a, I'm very close with my mom now, and we weren't at different points, but, and we talk about everything money and we didn't for years. And she's very frugal in some ways and very generous in others. But I said to her, hey, mom, over a Sunday dinner, do you know that you can be a spender and a saver? And I'm both now. And she said, huh, you know, I guess you're right. And so it's just, you can have a financial identity that you take on as a response or reaction, or just like, this is a natural thing that's happening at the age of eight, but we can grow into other parts of ourselves. We can change our story. We can embrace new financial identities when some things aren't working or when it's not the full picture yet. So that's a very simplification of how a money story or financial identity can be created early on. And then things can change, you know, over the course of the years and you can step into new roles that you take on. That's a little bit about that. Right. And, and just to let our audience know, Barry gives a lot, just a ton of amazing uh, practices and um, uh, workbook exercises in this book to really uncover our money story and to see what's helped, where our strengths and our weaknesses are, and then to look at shifting that story and creating new money stories, which is so great. Well, the whole workbook, if it, so it went from like, it's going to be a journal, you know, to some cute quotes to, I've been doing this for so long. There's so much journaling exercises that it's now a workbook. So everything I'm saying, there's, you know, quite a few journaling exercises on understanding how to find what set of emotions come up like name the last money interaction that you had and what money emotion came up and what did you notice and and what does that remind you of and, to, and you know and then let's talk about your money story so what did you learn from your mother what did you learn from your grandparents what about your siblings and your role what about any religion did that teach you anything or spiritual practice so there are journaling questions that take you through both understanding what set of money emotions come up, tools on how to work with them, money story, and on and on. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. At the end of chapter four, um, you talk about value and self-worth. You write that uh, under-earning is one of the clearest symptoms of not feeling and claiming your value. 
And this is based on so much more than your income alone. I really love how you make that distinction. It's that under earning isn't just about our financial earning. I'm wondering if you can talk about this process of finding our intrinsic sense of value and different ways it might reflect in our life. Yeah. So understanding this came up like for, it was a thread from day one, you know, so 21 years ago in that first group of 10 people, I started noticing self-worth value for a lot of folks was deeply connected to how much money we had in the bank or how much we were charging or our income at that time or right. And on and on. And yes, in the culture and, and within capitalism, like we need to earn a living and we need to, you know, either have a job or, and, and ask for a salary or have our own businesses and work with our pricing and all of that. So it can get confusing, right? Um, so I'm, I'm constantly trying to help people pull that apart. So our net worth is not our self-worth, even though there are some people in the world who say your net worth equals your self-worth. And I say, absolutely not, right? So there's so many exercises of understanding, you know, how you're defining your own value, what that means to you. And I don't think it's like you're done one day. Like it's something that you're cultivating day in and day out. It's not you wake up and you're like, I'm, you know, I know my worth. I mean, we do, but it's, it's a journey. It's a practice like everything else. So there's layers to this. There's layers of, you know, one, identifying what your value is. So, um, you know, I, one of the things we do in, in the bookkeeping things, I have people rename the category. So it's not just rent or mortgage. It's on a deeper level. What are you really trying to do? And you can't go so deep there. Is it home? Is it sanctuary? Is it love shack? So that's one way where I have people bring their values into their bookkeeping, you know, so you can start to literally see is your income and your spending and your giving in alignment with your values, right? I also do an exercise um, where I have them write out, it's in the, it's in the journal, right? What are your intrinsic assets? So yes, I, I, lo I love helping people learn how to price things well. Sometimes we increase our prices, sometimes we decrease. I'm also not of the mindset, always increase, right? It depends on what you're doing and what kind of year you're having. So here's a little side teaching, is that we're not always trying to grow more or make more. Some years we do that and that's wonderful, but in a long life, there's ebbs and flows. And in your money life, there's ebbs and flows right? So some years we're earning more and making more and giving more and saving more. Other years we're trying to just live within our means. Other years there's a health crisis. We're dipping into savings or we're dipping into 0% credit card, right? Used wisely. So intrinsic values are starting to list out like on a deep, deep level, who are you? What is your native genius? People call it. What are your superpowers? People call it. Um, what makes you unique? What makes you, you? And having people just spend time writing that out if they haven't already. And maybe you do that every year or every few years, right? So this is not a static thing, how much you charge, what your business model is. So, so I'm, I'm doing this on a few levels. You see, adding your values into your relationship to money, 
also identifying on a deeper level what your value is. And then here's the thing, last thing. How are you defining if you're successful around money this year or in your past or in your future? And we need more than just the dollar amount or your income level or your savings or your retirement. That's part of it, but there's so many other layers too. Are you caring for elderly parents? Are you caring for animals? What is your work in the world? Are you, you know, taking care of, are you in a health journey? There's, there's so many layers to defining. Are we having a successful life? And it might not even a meaningful life, a valuable life. You see, so I'm, I'm just beginning here. I'm going to pause because I know, but you see how this goes. Yeah. There's so much precision in this, in this it's a contemplative process of just layer after layer, isn't it? And there's so much nuance and precision to how we define our success and relationship around money. And I, and it's really a holistic thing, the way you frame it. It's just wonderful. Yes. I'll give one more example there. You know, for some people, it's, they learn how to have loving and compassionate conversations with their spouse around money. And that is you know, they realize that's one of the ways that they feel successful or they're teaching their children something that they did not learn growing up because their parents didn't know how to teach them, you know, so they're teaching something new. There's so many ways to define, are we having a healthy, savvy, creative, meaningful relationship to money? That includes the numbers, but there's more. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so phase two, Barry, is money practices. Yeah. What is a money date? Yeah. So money dates is something that, again, just a fun way of saying, in that, just sitting down and, and having a date with money and, you know, saying, what do you need right now? What's going on? What is one next step I can take? But here's the thing, like everything it has to be more meaningful or creative, right? So I'm always lighting my candles for my money date. You can, you do your own version, but here's some examples. I light my candles. I get out my oils. I get out my really dark chocolate. You know, I have my tea or coffee or water. Some people like to play music. I mean, I've heard everything from classical to Beyonce to, you know, whatever you need to get you in the mood. And now if, I mean, I really, any kind of music, because every day is different, what's going on. You always want to start with a body check-in. Some money dates may just be checking in. What's going on right now? What am I afraid of? What am I thinking about? What am I remembering? What, what, you know, what's coming up around money for me? Other money dates are more practical, like, oh, I'm going to go online and check my balances and I'm going to go a little deeper and see if there's any money leaks, you know, that are happening, like any reoccurring charges that, you know, I don't want, I don't want to use anymore. I don't want to, I, I, you know, I'm ready to get rid of them, you know, or you need to reach out to a new bookkeeper because you want to learn a bookkeeping system or a tracking system and you you know, my husband one night just taught himself how to do mint or taught himself how to do a few bookkeeping systems. And I needed someone to hold my hand with a box of tissue. And I'm not, I'm not being metaphorical here <laughs> and chocolate, 
over three to six months and slowly learn how to do it, you know, and it blew my mind that I could learn. And with a good teacher, I think anyone can learn, right? But it takes time. So money dates are just sitting down for five minutes and 15 minutes and a couple, you know, building up to a couple times a week. It could be, you know, learning a bookkeeping system and doing your tracking, or it could be twice a week, you just check in, what's going on with my business right now? Um, do I need to invoice people? Do I need to look at my business model structure? Do I need to have a money? So money dates can be with yourself. They can be with your partner. They can be with family when your kids are, you know, a little older. We have money dates with our son who's 13. We've had them for a while. They can be spontaneous. They can be planned. They can be out for dinner. So it's, you see, it's really just sitting down and saying, hello, money, what do you need today? And yeah, you may need to start making your lists, but it's really creating a relationship with money on a, you know, emotional, psychological level through the body check-ins on a practical level. And then there's certainly spiritual parts of it as well around what I call spiritual parts around giving, donating, reparations, redistributing resources, right? There, there's a whole piece around that. that I, I think there's some of that in the book as well. Yes, yeah. In the first book and second book. So do you see it's, it's a practice? It's a self-care practice. That's how I look at it. One last metaphor here. I see money like a garden. So it needs to be watered, but not overwatered. It needs attention. It needs care. You need to figure out how to have a good relationship instead of totally ignoring it, sticking your head in the sand or hypervigilantly paying attention to it all the time. So for many people who mostly ignore it, it's maybe you do five minutes a day, you build that muscle, you add in some playfulness, you add in some candles, some music, right? You, you make it so that it's something that you practice and you you know, and then even monthly, maybe you sit down with a bookkeeper and you meet with your bookkeeper and they, that bookkeeper helps you review, you know, your cash flow and helps you learn what's working, what's not. So I'm just giving a teeny beginning. There's layer, it can go on and on, but, and there can be so many different, it could be daily, weekly, monthly, quarterly, yearly money dates and money practices that you craft based on your personality what you want, adding in a little ritual, deeper meaning, some fun, all of that. Barry, the way that you approach this work is so refreshing, I've got to say, because, you know, there's, there's a lot of um, aggressive approaches from what I've seen to how people are, are training around money, like this millionaire mindset and, and this kind of thing. I just wanted to, to say that just a huge, um, a deep bow to you for the groundedness and the perspective that you're bringing. I think it's really important. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Based. I, yeah, I can. Okay. I can, I can continue, but you go. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just want to encourage everyone too. There's, there's something when I went to your website, if you're interested in learning a bit more about Barry and you're not sure about, you know, if you want to sign up for her year long course, you can go to her website and there's this, uh, I forget what it's called now. It's like, a, it's a week long email course 
where you get an email in your inbox every day and you take you take the student through this kind of journey. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, it's called the pocket map. And it takes you through the three phases, money healing, money practices, money maps. And so it's just teaching you what the three phases are. It asks you some journaling questions, right? It just is, is giving you a really good taste of what the three phases are um, that are, you know, it, it, my first book is 300 pages, tons of stories, tools. And the second book is 200 pages of journaling questions, you know, with all these transition little teachings. Um, and I have a blog and I have a podcast and, but the year long program is if you, you know, want to be in community and, and get support that way. But I also, I just started a mentor program for other therapists and coaches and financial professionals. And it's a much smaller group. We just started last week of 40 compared to the, the year long program has 250 to 500 students each year. There's lots of support people that, you know, alumni that support that. But yeah, if you just go to the website, you can sign up for my email to get a little taste um, and go from there or enjoy the workbook. And yeah, or you can get this wonderful book too. Okay, phase three, yeah. money maps. Yeah. Now there's, there's a lot in this, but I really wanted to ask you about, you talk about the five money areas and my experience, so I'll just quickly name them. The first is earning an income, then two is spending and expenses, three is saving, four is debt, repayment, and five is investing. So my experience has been that there's this fine balance, particularly to be had, be had be, between earning and spending. Once I got spending under control, then I could really focus in on saving and investing. I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit about your approach to this sort of dance between all these five money areas and how we determine what to prioritize. So interesting. Okay. What if I shift gears into another five thing that I do? Okay. Also part of money maps because we'll just see. Okay. So the thing that I, I mean, we do a whole piece in the workbook, in the first book, it's what do you have to, I mean, I'll just say, what do you have to work on? Like, are you someone who is an under earner? And under earning can happen, you know, when I was finished my graduate program, I was still working as a social worker and I had the master's, but I was making $11 an hour, right? So I could not get a massage. I could not get good chocolate. I could not, right? So clearly in that moment, I had to somehow figure out how to move through a money ceiling and earn more money. Even though I had the, I was like, I got the master's. Why am I not making more money? And so I had to start creating thinking out of the box and I actually took a little detour and that's when I learned bookkeeping and then, you know, started doing some bookkeeping and made 13 an hour. And then I got bumped up to 15 and then someone taught me QuickBooks and said they would pay me 20 an hour and then move me to 25 after a few months. And so, I mean, I never imagined that I would have gone that route and it seemed like such an odd detour, but I was either going to become an advocate for social workers and get us valued more in the marketplace, you know, or somehow I went through this other, you know, this other way and got more creative. And I, so some of us need to work on earning and that's a simple example, right. And to move through a money ceiling and there's nothing wrong with that. And that's, you know, as a therapist or even in spiritual communities, we're not supposed to want money, strive for money, talk about money. 
But, you know, again, it's not like, I mean, some people may want to make a million dollars or more. Some people may want to make the six or seven figures or everyone's different, what phase of life, where they live, what their work is in the world, how, you know, there's, there's so many different ways to look at it. So for some of us, it's earning. For some of us, it's really getting in more of the spending, like really fine tuning, you know, what do we want to keep? And what's negotiable and what's absolutely not. You know, a lot of people like will not negotiate their good food, like good quality food, local. It doesn't have to be organic, but every, right? So for some people, that's like just a top, top, top priority that they're not willing to let go of, but other areas they are, right? So for me, it used to be dining out before, you know, it's, it's coming back a little because that was community. That was going out with girlfriends. That was going out with my family. That was breaking bread, you know, it was just top priority for me. So in the spending, it's, you know, just what can be negotiated, what can't, where do we feel we have judgment about the way we're spending or, I mean, I can go through all of these, right? In so much detail and I'm not even getting, I, I am going to mention the other thing I want to mention, but I just, we go through all of them and it's, again, what do you need to work on? Because some people need to really focus on earning. Um, and increasing, but I also then have really high earners who are ignoring, um, not so much where they're spending, but they're, they're not paying attention to it. Right. So they're just like, make more money, make more money. That's going to solve it. And it's wonderful. They're, they, so their gift is they can, they're really high earners. That's easy for them. And it's not easy for everyone where they need to really get in is they don't want to get into the nitty gritty. So hire a bookkeeper and then sit down with that bookkeeper once a month print out those reports and really get in there. And yes, make choices. Most of us have to make choices. Most of us, there's a limit. We can't do everything, but we get to then choose like what are the buckets we wanted to go in? Like these are my priorities of where I wanna spend and my values. I wanna save a certain amount. It could be a percentage. For some people, they just need to tuck away the saving, like put it over, you know, and then they can spend the, ch the chunk that they have, like for, we have to kind of be sneaky and just like <laughs> send it over so that it's done and we're honoring our future selves. So you see, I have high earners that are over, that are going into debt because they're just not looking. They're not bringing a presence to it. Their, their solution is just make more, right? We all have blind spots. We all have things that we need to learn. We have things that are working and we have things that that are not working. So I can go through each of these, you know, um, in detail. I will just to complete this by say one thing. <laughs> Most of my decisions are based on this equation, time, money, energy, family, and health. Time, money, energy, family, and health. And there's not like 25% here, 5% here, but anytime I'm making a life decision, big decision, am I going to write a second book? You know, it, I always come back to the time, money, energy, family, health, however you define that. And that's a big piece. I don't know if that's in this workbook. There's always more. Is that in the workbook? <laughs> I don't, which, you know, sorry, you know, which part? The... The equation of time, money, energy, family, and health and working. I don't recall seeing that in here. Okay. Yeah. It's, yeah it's, that's it's, new it's, to me and it's beautiful. It's in blog articles. It's in the program. Mm. I mean, you know, 
when you write a book, it's done and then it goes to editing and it doesn't come out for a year. So there's there's always new pieces to the puzzle. Did I answer your question at all or just give a you little? You did. You totally answered my question and, and you took it to the next level. It was a perfect answer. Um, and we've got some really great questions here from the audience if you're ready to, to go to some of those. I am. Okay, awesome. Let's do it. There's one here from Sabina and there's, there's a couple of questions in here. So I'll, I'll read it to you and then we can sort of get into it. Uh, Sabina says, in a couple situation where one person is more relaxed about money and the other experiences deep money anxiety and insecurities, how can the couple help each other with body check-ins and many of the things you mentioned? Right. Money so, often seems to be one of the reasons why couples break up. What would be the best approach to prevent such disharmony for them? Thank you, Barry. Yeah. So yes, on the surface, it's the reason, number one reason for divorce, but it's not money or, you know, it's that we don't know how to talk about money, right? We don't know how to have money dates where we really hear each other. Um, we, we, it's about that there's all these deeper themes that come up around enoughness, self-worth, power, um, um, responsibility, safety, security, right? With couples, two people come together, and even if on the surface their values seem the same, as I mentioned earlier, the way they spend, give, earn, all of it is different. You may share some similar things, but for the most part, you're going to be different in some of those. The other thing is that couples polarize, like she's saying. So, right? Sometimes really extreme, sometimes not as much. One person has a lot of anxiety, thinks about the future, is trying to plan, trying to imagine every scenario, like just really more hypervigilant. The other person's like, it's all going to be fine, you know, or I don't want to deal with this and I'm going to go over here. So that's normal, I think. And I'm going to give you some tools on how to work with it. So the way that I work with couples dates is a few things. I mean, I have so many blog pieces around couples and how to have a different kind of money date. So you don't jump to, you know, whipping out the spreadsheets right away or looking at the numbers right away. Number one is story time. So a money date for a couple is you invite, you're saying like, we're going to have a new kind of money date. We're going to start out with 30 minutes. We're each going to get 15 minutes. One person gets to share stories from their childhood, what money means to them, what emotions come up, the anxiety, right? They share and the other person sits in their own body check-in over here. They're not responding. They're not commenting. They're not going into blame shame. They're sitting in their own body check-in. Then you switch. The other person just sits in their own seat. They share their story, not in, re you know, they share a little bit about where they come from, what the environment they grew up was life. Like they go through some of the questions in the journal, in the workbook, right? And you could take three questions and you each get 15 minutes to share your responses and you don't respond to each other. And you do a few dates like that where you just hear each other out, okay? From there, it can move into... Well, maybe I'm going to, maybe we have a little five minutes each of responding and we try to stick to I, you know, I statements, I hear you, this is what I think I hear, or this is what comes up for me, right? Really starting to learn and understand your differences 
Because at the end of the day, there's no one who's right. There's no one way that's right. You each have things to bring to the table, right? So money date number two may be talking about values and that you do spend differently. So I had to do a lot of work because I was back in the day horrified. My husband liked big ticket items, like a big expensive road bike. And he was a little horrified that I liked my acupuncture and self-care and facial lotion so much, right? One time we added up two years of my self-care and lotions and, and it equaled his road bike. Well, we, you see, so there are conversations about the different ways that you spend. And then third part of a money date would be now who's on what? Who's going to do the bookkeeping, right? And it could shift. I did the bookkeeping for years and one day my husband came in. Or you bring in a bookkeeper who's gonna hold space with you or a financial coach to sit down with you and help you review everything. Because again, one person may be the planner. They like the visioning. They, that's the part they wanna talk about. The other person wanna talk about their emotions, right? I'll tell one couple story and hopefully, so female, male, female couple, he came from a traditional finance background. She was more creative yoga now in real estate, mom. And he was like, I know everything because I have the finance training. That's my background. And he kept whipping out the spreadsheets, trying to show her. And she was like, get those away from me. And it devolved into tears and swearing and fighting and running off, slamming doors, right? And he was so skeptical about like, she finally said, I'm going to do Barry's thing. I want you to come with me. And he was like, what is she going to teach me? I know everything, you know? And he learned that he thought he was the best teacher for her, but he's not because he doesn't know everything. Because in his finance training, they didn't talk about money emotions or money stories, right? Also, she didn't want to learn his spreadsheet. It didn't work for the way she thinks. She wanted to learn a different bookkeeping system and tracking tool on her own with her own trainer. I think she learned Quicken. It was so empowering for her, right? They started with those money dates of just talking about childhood, where they came from, different money stories, different backgrounds. It all became clearer and clearer how they were shaped and how their financial identities or money stories. They got to learn that they're different. They got to each learn they have different styles. They got to each eventually come together and have those loving, compassionate money dates and money conversations with each other. That's my short answer. Um, I have so many blog articles on this and it, there's, there's money dates probably in both stuff in both the workbook and in my first book for couples. Yeah, yes. and again, Barry's website, Jacob's already posted in the chat, but uh, I'll repeat it. It's barrytesler.com and Barry's spelled B-A-R-I. Tesler is with two S's, T-E-S-S-L-E-R. Tons of great resources on there. I was looking at your website as well, Barry. Now, we've got time, I think, for one more audience question. I just want to remind everyone, we're talking to Barry Tesler about her newest book, The Art of Money Workbook, A Three-Step Plan to Transform Your Relationship with Money. And I, I want to, oh, and there's the first one too, The Art of Money. And we're that, that image from the cover of the first book, there's a huge poster in the window at Banyan Books. It's been there for years, probably since when you first came to when it first came out and uh, and everybody at Banyan loves Barry Tesla, I can tell you that. Now, I just wanna take a minute quickly to thank our live audience, everyone who shows up live. It's so great to have you here um, creating these events with us. So thank you for your questions and your comments. It's, it's really great to have you here. 
A big thanks to Jacob Steele as well, who's always here in the background uh, coordinating everything. He's our podcast producer, and he's responsible for all of the guests that we get, among many other things, for Banyan Books. So thanks, Jacob. Okay, we have one more question here from Jill. Jill says, thank you very much for your work and your writing. The art of money helped me to recover after leaving an, a marriage to someone who is financially abusive. I now have a healthy relationship with money. My question is this, when you go into investing, do you talk about practical ways to invest or a person's relationship to investing? Yeah, it's not my specialty. So I always refer to colleagues that I've been collaborating with for years and years and years. Um, I also have tons of interviews where I interview folks on socially responsible investing and social justice investing. And, you know, a lot of those are in the program, but some of those are on my podcast. And so th there are so many different parts of, you know, so many different specialties within your relationship to money, like estate planning and school loans and how do you work with debt? And I have wonderful colleagues and relationships that I've developed for years and folks that I trust and I interview them and they're, you know, they're like-minded and they're brilliant. Um, so while I don't get into the nitty gritty of that, I have a wonderful referral list and I have some interviews that you can easily find on my podcast. Um, Christopher Peck is my financial planner who does socially responsible investing and the interview with Rachel Robichotti and her firm on, she coined the term social justice investing um, is just a, such an important and beautiful interview as well. And those are all public. So, so go find them and then go to their websites and choose one of them. And if you need a referral list, you know, like th these are the kind of things you just send a note to my team on my website, you go through my contact page. I have a wonderful, um, VA Allie. She's been with me for seven years. I'm so lucky or six, six or seven years, I know, six or seven years. And she responds to everyone in the community and she'll send you our referral list if you want them. Most of the folks are in US, but some in Canada. That's great. That's great info. Thanks. And again, her website's barrytesler.com. Now there's just a nice comment here from Laura that says, Barry, this session is very contemplative and refreshing indeed. You're so inspirational and I really love your spiritual approach to money. I'm going to Banyan Books tomorrow Yay. to purchase your book. Yay. Wonderful. Wonderful. Thanks for that, Laura. Yeah. Um, Barry, any, any final thoughts, anything you want to share with us about things you have upcoming or just final thoughts you want to share with people at all about money relationship? Mm, I would say everyone invite yourself, start practicing a body check-in, right? Tomorrow, you'll have a money moment and you'll go, oh, body check-in, okay. And you might remember before, or you might remember in the heat of the moment, you might need to go take a break, walk around the block, go drink some water, or you might remember after. So please start like adding that in step one. Um, please, I mean, these, these are my babies. I have a 13-year-old human son. I have three male cats and one puppy who's also male, but my books are, are girls. They're, they're <laughs> um, these are some of my babies too. So please go to Banyan and 
go there and say hello for me. I wish I could be there live like I was six years ago. And please go enjoy these books. And the workbook is tiny enough that you can carry it around with you. And I thought it was going to be bigger, but it's really, it's something you can fully write in. And there's this wonderful, let's see, a sunflower yellow color. Where are you? So oh, I really, yeah. I wanted even more color, but they got some sunflower and some gold in there and gold on the front cover. Um, yeah, so please just go enjoy all of that and then come to my website. And, you know, if you want to get on my email list to get a taste, even more of the three phases, go enjoy my blog, you know, go enjoy my podcast, find me on Instagram or Facebook. And then lastly, I, I you know, I do my year long program will open again in September. Um, and it's for lay folks, but there's always therapists and coaches and financial folks in there. And then next year, because I'm, I'll, I'll do the mentor program again, which is like thrilling to me. I haven't, I have, I've been wanting, I've been asked to do a certification for program for years and it's not that it's a mentoring program, which feels better for me. But this is a, now that I'm in my fifties, any women out there post-menopause, I used to, <laughs> you'll understand it's thrilling. I'm in menopause. Um, it's been a huge part of my journey. And so I have more energy now and can look out, you know, in the world after having to like be in bed with my kitties. So there's just, I, I'm, I'm coming out again. So find me in all the places and Ross and Jacob, thanks so much. And Banyan Books, thanks so much for having me. Thanks for joining us for Branches of Wisdom, a podcast of Banyan Books and Sound, Canada's spiritual and healing resource since 1970. Our podcast producer is Jacob Steele. The show is edited by Abdo Habani. Watch all our conversations on YouTube by searching for Banyan Books or listen on your favorite podcast platform. Please subscribe, follow, like, and leave your reviews and comments. We love to hear from you. For all our live events, books, and more, visit us at banyan.com.